Hello everyone out there, this is Terry, your host for Digging Through Dominoes. In this podcast, we look at the dominoes we had been given, how they've shaped our lives, and figure out how to draw the right ones to change and win the game. Before we get into that, I've got to open my... uh, non-sponsored can of liquid death I love this sparkling water it's great Mm. Mm -mm. nothing like it what I want to talk to you about today is something that is pretty personal Uh, as if everything I I talk to you about isn't pretty personal just a minute the frame is messing me up on this There, we're back. So I'm back for my motorcycle ride. And that motorcycle ride has presented a question for me. And that question is, can you have too much therapy? I don't think you can. However, with healing comes hidden memories. I have been going to Street Vibrations Motorcycle Rally pretty regularly since 2006 until the pandemic hit. This time, it was 100% different. My microphone's all jacked up. You see, I guess to understand where I'm going, I need to take you back in time. If I start crying, which I really hope I don't, please, please forgive me. 1981. I believe, 1980, 1981, I was at a Willie Nelson concert, and I met this person whom I later married because I was not allowed to go back home, and I knew I couldn't make it on my own. One thing I wanted more than anything in this world, for all the wrong reasons, was a baby. I had been... I I really didn't have any foundation. I felt very alone in the world. That decision to marry this person was, like I said, for all the wrong reasons, but a a wonderful thing came out of it, and that was my daughter. Liquid death here, uh, break. Mm. I don't know what about it is about this. It's just sparkling water, and it's amazing. We got married. And within about two weeks, I can't remember. It's been so long. It's been over 40 years. I can't hardly remember. Well, like where I put my earrings this morning. I can't remember exact details, but I can remember a lot. I was moved within a couple of weeks of getting married. And like I said, this was a marriage that I really didn't want, but I really didn't know what I could do. I had no one to turn to. I had nowhere... I could go for help. And so I just went along with it because it was something for the moment that I felt comfortable with because I knew I wasn't good enough to feel comfortable anywhere else. One of our first stops was in Las Vegas. And in Vegas, I remember this several times about being in Vegas. And sometimes it has haunted me and sometimes it has not. I I always have dealt with it rather well. I remember one night playing nickel slots and winning I don't know how much and money so it was embarrassing it called attention to me 
cause all the whistles and bells and everything. And I didn't want to, I don't know. That's just stupid. But I guess I'm trying to explain to you my state of mind. That next morning, I ended up in the hospital. And I don't know how many times this has happened to me. But I ended up with several broken ribs and a concussion and a social worker in the room asking me, with the person that had attacked me in the room, what happened? Tell me what happened. It's like I fell. You know, they're smart enough to know what the marks of a fall are and what the marks of abuse are. But I'm looking at this person that had done this to me, and I'm looking at the social worker, and I'm thinking, I can't, I can't say anything because whatever happened to me last night will be ten times worse. I guess the devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't know. So we went back to the hotel. We were there for a couple of nights, and one of the blackjack dealers or poker dealers, whoever, I don't know, one of the car dealers, came up to me and said, um, we know what's happened, and you can come with us if you want to. That's something I look back on. Do I regret it? No, I wouldn't have had my daughter. Do I regret it? Yes, because I could have been safe. Do I regret it? Regret it? No, because I had no idea what their plans for me were. You see, everyone's plans for me had always been nefarious, with the exception of a couple of people. And as I said, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Our ultimate landing spot was Reno, Nevada. And we ended up staying, before we got an apartment, in one of those by-the-week motels. And I don't know if, I've never had problems with this in Reno before, and I have been there, you know, I've been riding this Harley now for 17 years, so I've been there many, many times. I've thought about it, but it never haunted me. And this was a hard ride to begin with um, because of the weather on the way up and my mobility issues. But when we got to Reno, it was beautiful. And we did a lot of riding. There was, you know, I'm going to do a a whole separate YouTube video on Reno or several YouTube videos on Reno. If you'd like to watch them, please subscribe to my Tattooed Biker Chick channel. But I thought this was much more important. I, we were riding, if you know Reno, you know Sparks. And we went to Sparks one day. And we're riding back. And I saw these pay-by-the-week, pay-by-the-month motels. It shook me. Memories that I had locked away came flooding back. And I found myself looking at each one of the motels because the, the motel that we stayed at, which was called at that time El Patio, how, you know, how I remember that, I have no idea, except it was scarring. I had never been in a place like that. I had been raised pretty much in an upper-middle-class family. And so for me, this was just shelter, I guess. Stayed there. The beatings continued. Um, police would knock on the door, ask what was happening. The manager would knock on the door. People would whisper. 
they saw marks, they saw bruises. This person, generally, when someone is going to assault you, they don't go for a place. If it's a domestic assault, generally, they do not go for a place that can be visible. My marks were very visible, as was my attitude. I was afraid of everything. Then came the night. We went to a casino. I had really never been in a casino alone before. And I say alone because I lost this person. He disappeared for about two hours. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find him. Soon he came back and accused me of going off and sleeping with someone. And it's then, you know, I, I feel foolish and then I don't. I realized that he had just done exactly what he had accused me of. And he had been with some guy or some girl. And we left that place. And that night, I was hurt again. But, you know, the hurt didn't really affect me, I think, because I felt at that point I deserved it. He had two little boys. I forget how. They were like two and three, two and four, something like that. He fabricated a resume and got a job at a big corporation there. The beatings continued. If something wasn't to his liking, if he had had a bad day at work, whatever the case may be, I was the punching bag. And that was fine with me. Because at least someone knew I was there. And I know that sounds like really sick and twisted. And yeah, it is very sick and twisted to allow yourself to be in a situation like that. Well, I just prayed and prayed and prayed to get pregnant. I prayed for a baby. What the hell was I thinking? I mean, my gosh, bringing a baby into a situation like that is ludicrous. I wasn't thinking at all. And to have a baby that young in my life, if it was 1980, I would have been 18 years old, which is probably right because she was born, well, she was born in 82, which was right before I was 20. So it was, it was, it, I mean, time doesn't matter. I allowed myself to be in a situation I would never allow an enemy to be in. And that would be was to be at the hands of someone like that. One day he came home and threw a dress at me. A very slinky, slutty, in my opinion, dress. Heels, like I needed them. I'm six feet tall. And said, go to the pepper mill. Sit there. And I expect you to bring money home. Don't buy any drinks. Let the men buy you drinks. Well, I may have been um, naive in many, many ways, scared in many, many ways, but that's something that I knew was a threat and I knew I would never let happen. I wasn't going, I would rather be beaten than sleep with someone for money. Each night I went home, I would be beaten. And then came the night, I'll never forget, I, we found out I was pregnant. I found out I was pregnant. He tried to kill my baby. He kicked me in the stomach. He kicked me in the head. 
and pushed me down the stairs. I ended up in the emergency room again. Different social workers, this time asking me what happened. But he was still in the room. They didn't get it 40 years ago. How can I talk? And even if I could have talked, where would I go? I didn't have anywhere I could go. I remember in Las Vegas, the first time that it happened, I called my dad. And I said, Dad, and I told him what had happened. And his answer was, you know, I still can't believe my dad would say this. Terry, sometimes things like that happen. That really threw me off because I had never seen anything like that from my father. I had been hit by my mother many times. My brothers had been hit by my father. I don't remember being hit by my father, but that doesn't say it didn't happen. But my dad in that told me I didn't matter. It's okay for someone to beat you. So when we were in Reno for this uh, Street Vibrations, and we were riding home from Sparks along a road, we took the back way, and it really does look very desolate now. I found myself looking at each one of the motels and trying to see if it was the one I had stayed for so many weeks. That really shook me up to the point I was having a hard time riding my bike. The memories were overcoming me. I was having this surge of adrenaline. And I I didn't know why. Suddenly, after so many years, I'm remembering this stuff and the things that happened. And that's why, you know, I asked the question, sometimes is therapy too much? Did I want to have those memories? No, I didn't. Did I need to have those memories? Yes, I did. The reason I feel I needed to have those memories is that there are hidden pieces that we have. We all have boxes that are closed. We all have those places that if someone touches, unknowingly even, we react to. I don't want any of those in my life anymore. I've seen what has happened to my life led unexamined. And I have seen what my life has become after beginning the examination, taking the band-aids off, looking at the wounds, allowing them to air and to heal. And I said I wasn't going to cry. Okay. Guess it's a little more liquid death, thirst quencher. If you guys are listening on the, the audio, I apologize, but I just I love these this water. Liquid death, sparkling water, straight from the Alps, but it's I, I can't find it right now. The tagline on the one I had the other night said, Murders your thirst. I just thought that was just amazing. So I I ordered a couple of cases. I'm going to get a little fridge and put in here and and keep my liquid death in them. Really, it's good. So yeah, those are memories I needed to have. 
it was hard having them when I was on my motorcycle. And you have to really have your full head and body in control to ride. And I could tell my riding was getting a little shaky at that point. My body had been through a lot. It was tired. But when your body and mind are going in separate directions, that's the time to get off the bike. But I, I just remember looking at each and every one of those hotels. I couldn't find it. I don't even know if it exists or if it's in a, a different name. It seems like it was pretty close to the downtown Reno area, if I remember correctly. Then we rode by and I saw the pepper mill. And what was difficult was that I had a Bluetooth on. So Jeff's helmet was communicating with mine. We could hear each other. And I didn't want to alert anyone to the fact I was in the midst of a panic attack. So that was hard, trying to control panic, trying to control my motorcycle, crying, trying to control my severely injured body, trying to control my severely injured mind and my severely injured heart. It's hard for someone to do. And right now, I want to let you know, before I go any further, if you have an injured heart, if you have an injured soul, take care of it. Some days, people may say something in a way you take differently. But to you, it pierces your heart. Recognize that that's a symptom of something you need to realize you need to work on, you need to acknowledge. Because if you don't, you could end up years later, like I did at my worst. And that's nowhere anyone wants to be. I am very thankful I ended up in the, that position I was in. Because without that, without the death of my parents, without losing everything I had, Without being misdiagnosed, I could have never come to my true diagnosis and into the light. I could have never healed. I could have become an alcoholic like my father. I could have, you know, done so many things. I know I have many traits of my parents. You know, who doesn't? We were dealt cards out of the same deck they had their cards dealt from. That game didn't change. We've got to change that. And that's what I'm trying to do for myself and what I really hope you can do for yourself. Yeah, you know, riding through there broke open a lot of wounds. It's part of my past. It's part of my story. It's part of who I am. It's part of why I'm healing. Prayers did come true through that. I got my daughter, a beautiful, intelligent young woman. One thing I think that tells a lot about a person's identity that's been abused or neglected as a child is they have no identity. They don't feel they're good enough. So I was just going to sit there and take it. Had I not become pregnant with my daughter... I would have stayed. I know that for a fact. I remember calling my mother and saying, Mom, 
you're going to be a grandmother. And her tone wasn't accepting or encouraging or supportive. And I let her know I needed to get out of there. You know, what does that say? I would sit there and take it, but I need to get my baby out of the situation. That alone shows you what I thought about myself. You know, I, I came across this website, LiveBoldBloom.com, and it talks about seven stages of healing from emotional abuse. Some of these apply to me and some of them don't. One of them is, it says, you finally did it. You ended it. You left your abuser after manipulation, verbal assaults, control, and unkindness. Now it's time to face the stages of healing. Well, first of all, yes, I knew he was an abuser because my parents never kicked me downstairs or left me with concussions. But the way he talked to me was, was the way my parents had spoken to me. So I didn't quite... This doesn't really apply to me, and this is something that I buried for years. After I got back, got back with my parents, um, before my daughter was born, my father picked me up at the airport, and we talked on the way home. Even though the bedroom was a four bed, or the house was a four bedroom house, I was not allowed to have a bedroom. I had to sleep on the couch, which I think I said says a lot about. You know, I, I, I allowed it. I, for my entire life, grew up knowing, knowing, having it ingrained in my mind that I was not good enough. So I cannot claim that I was able to face and heal that particular situation until just recently. I think the healing from that started when I really started, when I felt the rush of panic, the rush of fear, go, my mind was going everywhere because these motels were bringing back. It's like a body memory. It was a somatic memory that was coming back and it had me in its grips. Thank goodness. Thank goodness I experienced that. Because now I can let it go. I can let it fly. But in that, it brought back a lot of things like sleeping on the couch, having to talk to my parents, having my dad tell me, you know, things like that happen. You just have to deal with it. This article, article is talking about leaving your abuser. Well, yes, he was an abuser. It was very evident. Everyone saw it. I left. Um, and the people who worked with him called CPS because of his children. He was not taking care of them. He continued to phone stalk, stalk me. He continued to try and get in touch with me. And I wouldn't, my mother kept trying to force me to take the phone calls, and I wasn't going to take them. I knew what I had faced in that situation. I wasn't going to do it again. She didn't understand that. But my brother did, my youngest brother. One day, my brother, I don't know if... He only thought this person showed up at my house or if this person did show up at my house. But my brother was out there with a shotgun. Thank you. He took things seriously. He took my daughter seriously. He took our lives seriously. He knew the danger. 
So in this article, it talks about your psyche, your self-esteem, and your sense of who you are have been shattered by the person who was supposed to love and cherish you most. Well, that would have been my parents. So I was shattered all along. I was broken all along. I was just going along with the cards that were dealt, the dominoes that were pulled. Maybe you beat yourself up over how you could fall in for this manipulator. I didn't fall for him. I had no other choice. So I didn't really ever question that. How could you have stayed so long? I was there three weeks. <laughs> I, not three weeks. I was there three months before I found out I was pregnant. And I knew I had to get my child out of the same situation. I saw what his kids had gone through. And my daughter was not going to go through that. There's so many emotions, thoughts, and memories swirling around in your head that you don't know what is real, what's true, and what's right for you. That explains my life. Up until that point and up until several years ago, that explains my life. And I'm sure many of you can identify with that horrifying feeling of emptiness, the void, the fear of anything might happen. And it's not until you can get your hands around that and realize the power you have in your life that you are a survivor, that you can conquer it and put it to bed. Moving on from emotional abuse. You know, I spoke with someone, actually texted with someone last night and this morning that I wish this person, person was able to move on from the emotional abuse that they faced and I could tell by the text, they're still being affected by it. And that breaks my heart because this is a person I love dearly, dearly I love. But whatever triggered you to finally leave your abuser, you knew on some rational level the things between you and them were very wrong. Hell, I knew, I, I knew it was wrong from the very beginning. You know, I mean, come on. Parents don't say things like that to their kids. You just have to expect that. That's part of the deal. And then make me sleep on the couch when I'm pregnant? I slept on that couch pregnant. I left as soon as I found I was pregnant, probably within two weeks. Can't be sure. It was probably within two weeks because I had to convince my parents that the baby was not safe. I get home to my parents this dude's stalking me. Oh, it was, it was horrible. It was horrifying. That I had never had happened before. That scared me. And I didn't want anything happening to my daughter that happened to his kids. This next part says, you knew no matter how smart, attractive, or charming this person was, he was none of those. He was cunning, and it was a place to stay for me. You know how embarrassing that is for me to say at 60 years old that I married a person? That's just about like being a prostitute, right? I married a person, so I would have a place to stay. And this person wanted me to go pimp out. He wanted to pimp me out. It's all kinds of crazy in there. No wonder I had all these problems for all this time and had no freaking idea why. 
people who love you don't constantly call you names and yell at you. People who love you don't try to control your every thought, your every action, your every friend, your every movement. People who love you don't try to make you think you're crazy. People who love you don't do the hurtful things this person did to you on a daily basis. And it was a daily basis. But you know what? That pattern endured with the rest of my relationships. It had to be me. I'm defective. You're not defective. You're not. Look into that, that pile of dominoes and pull out the ones that can help you win this game because you are in charge of your life. No one else is. You are. Do not let people scare you. Do not let them manipulate you. Do not let what they think control you. That is abuse. Another thing this article says is you feel numb and hopeless. Well, duh, I'd felt numb and hopeless my whole life. Or how would I end up married to a person that I met at a Willie Nelson concert that tried to pimp me out? It seems like you're an observer of life right now rather than a participant. If you do feel something, it's just a sense of hopelessness and despair. Your relationship is over and it feels like there's nothing more for you. I felt free from that relationship. But I left that a very physically abusive relationship to go back and live with my parents. Who my dad was gone all the time and my mother did not want me there. I love her to death for loving my child as much as she did. So, it, you know, it was the lesser of two evils. What do you do? I take care of my kid. There was no one, I was, there's no way I was going to let him or anyone else force my decisions based on his control. That's bullshit. My daughter deserved more than that. Even if I didn't think I deserved more than that, she deserved more than that. It says, after feeling, after years, a feeling you're not good enough, you still have a sense that you don't measure up. You try to make up for the slow self-esteem by being a people pleaser or an overachiever. To this day, I feel I don't measure up. I had to back off of a relationship that I had rekindled today. Because I was being hurt. Not because I don't love this person. I love this person with all of my heart. But I realized I was expecting more than they are able to give right now. They're in a position they need to protect themselves. Am I hurt? I'm devastated. Because this person I have always loved. I have another relationship that I tried to rekindle several years ago. A couple of years ago maybe. And it's gone nowhere. So see, it's a generational thing. I still don't measure up to these people. So who am I going to measure up to? I'm going to measure up to me. 
I'm going to set my standards and I am going to measure up to me. I am going to learn about my past. I am going to learn about the difficult, hard things that made me the way I am, that made me adopt a million kids, that kept my mind off of everything but me. Online shopping, all I did was try to numb myself. Now, I feel I have wings sprouting. And oh man, that candle smells so good. This next paragraph is going to make me cry. You long for the acceptance, love, and approval that you never got in your relationship or your childhood. You seek it with the other people in your life, often blurring your own boundaries and ignoring your needs. Now, this is something I learned. I did not want to... And I did leave it open-ended with this, uh, this person that I stepped back from. But I, I realized I had to put boundaries there because I was being hurt again. And that devastated me to do that to this person. But I can't allow myself to be in a situation where I feel I'm being used or I feel that I'm only there if it's convenient for them. If someone's not committed to a relationship with me, friendship, because at this point, romantic relationships are off my chart. No, I'm not going there. I don't trust people. I don't trust people. Can you, can you blame me? <laughs> can you blame me? And I know you don't either. It's hard, guys. We're in this together. You, don't, you just don't have the confidence to stand on your own two feet without your abuser and say, I like myself. How many of you can say that? I like myself. You know what? I can say it now. I like myself. I love myself. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had to set a boundary this morning. I wouldn't have been able to. I would have been, yeah, it hurts. But I wouldn't, that line would have been real blurry for me. I like myself. I like who I am. I like my personality. I can be a heck of a lot of fun. I can also be like hard to get along with and my body hurts and all of that stuff. You know, I know the good and the bad of me, but I know what? I'm more good than I am bad because I'm choosing positivity and not negativity. He says, you feel deeply resentful and sometimes uncontrollably angry. This is one thing I can say. I don't have anger. I don't have anger. I really don't feel resentment. I feel sadness. I feel sadness, not pity. I feel sad and hurt for both of these people, the one that I had to put the boundary down with, as well as someone else that I had tried to rekindle a relationship with a couple of years ago. I feel sad for them. They're not seeing, they're either living in their own pain and trauma or they're not seeing or giving me the chance to show mine. And I guess that does hurt me when, when people are going to judge you on your past and not your accomplishments. You know, that's just wrong. And that's something I really want you all to keep in mind is, if someone's acting really jerky, 
give them a chance. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe their dog died. Maybe their kid's sick. Maybe their grandmother's sick. You don't know everything about somebody. Give them a chance first before you tick them off that list. It says you also question how you could have done this to yourself. Allowing yourself to be treated this way feels deeply shameful. Okay, now shame, what I've learned in all my therapy, is blame turned inwards. No, I don't feel shame. I feel grateful for the lessons that I've learned. I feel very grateful that I was able to use these negative experiences as something positive and change my life. It says you may also feel angry at your parents who may have been emotional abusers themselves and set the stage for you to be attracted to this type of person. That's my life. I don't have anger. I had anger at my, with my parents for a little while. For just a few weeks when I was going through an adult children of alcoholics class, I had that anger there. Very, very angry. But when I came out of it, I realized our relationships came from the same deck of cards, the same batch of dominoes that went back generations. How can I be mad at my parents when they, in their age, their, their era, it wasn't acceptable to seek therapy. You drank. You did drugs. You locked yourself in your bedroom. How can I be angry with my parents when they did the best they could with what they knew? And, you know, my dad really helped me with that. Before, after my mother died and before he died, we had some really deep, incredible conversations, which I think, really kind of tipped me to breaking, but it also helped me recover, forgive, and love my parents unconditionally. You've lost your identity. I didn't have an identity. I started gaining an identity when I started healing, when I started going and doing the actual work of what put me in the position to have all of these horrible relationships and why I was so afraid, why I didn't like myself, why I overcompensated, why you can just fill in the blank. I don't have to do that anymore. So no, it's not too much therapy because you know what? It pays off. I like myself now. These other people that are choosing not to or the ones that I've had to, because of whatever, put a boundary, they're losing out on me. I'm losing out on them, but they're losing out on me. It doesn't change my love for them in any way. It makes me hurt for them. Maybe you were a strong, happy, capable person, but now you don't even recognize the person looking back at you in the mirror. Is that you? Let me, let me know in the comments. If any of this strikes a chord with you, let me know, please. Years of emotional abuse have stripped away your sense of self. You are left with the unattractive shell of a person your partner or parents define for you with his or her ugly words and insults. If your partner tells you how to think, who to talk to, 
what to believe and how you feel, you're at a loss. So please, if that is happening, I would beg you to reevaluate because you are not only at a loss, the future generations coming from you are at a loss. This is in your power to stop this bad game of dominoes. Like I said, pull some more out of that pile and let's change the way this goes. You've got the power. You do. Be brave and bright and open it up and use it. Look at those ghosts in the motels. Look at the threats. And look how you have survived. Because you've got this. You feel anxious or depressed. This stuff takes a toll on your physical, your mental health. And I was anxious, anxious and depressed for years. As many of my kids could tell you, it was horrible. It was horrible for me. It was horrible for them. It was horrible the thoughts I had knowing. I wasn't giving my kids what I had given them before. Because I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I tell you what, mental health issues, abuse, childhood neglect, all of that. If you don't address it, it's going to jump up. It's going to bite you in the butt and it will affect your family. You've lost your trust and fear of falling in love again or you date too quickly. Yes, both of those for me. And right now, no. No more romantic relationships. I can't. If I can't trust my family member, and I can't trust my family member, and I can't trust this person, and I can't trust this person because I need to protect myself, how can I allow that to be a part of the, the future? Because what it's going to do is only affect negatively if I go forth. Listen to your head and not your heart. Be logical. Don't think emotionally. This article says your daily mantra should be, listen to my head, not my heart. I wish I had done that. Allow yourself to go through the grief stages. That took me years to do. Years. My gosh, I'm 60. This has been going on since I was born. If you're feeling emotionally frozen right now, it's okay. This is still coming from this article. Just be with that for a while. Don't force yourself to feel, and eventually your feelings will return. Mine did. Now I find myself making choices for me and not making choices because of what other people think, may think, or feel. I'm making them for me. If you feel hopeless, remind yourself that you have a reason for feeling this way because your abuser left you vulnerable. At the same time, you can remind yourself that healing will happen and that you do have things to look forward to even though you may not believe it right now. Keep a journal. Write down your feelings. How you're feeling. What triggered those feelings? 
how it can change, how you can move forward, ideas, plan out your future. That's harder said than it is done, if that makes sense. What the heck was I even saying? I'm all confusing myself now. It's easier to say to write all those things down than it is to actually do them. But if you write them down, that's a starting place. It's a starting place for the rest of your life. It is. Work out your anger in constructive ways. Your anger generally is not anger in my opinion and in my experience. Anger is fear. Anger, you feel angry if you feel you're being rejected again. I'm not going to let anger control me. By anger. Do I still get angry? Yeah, I get angry. But I don't let it control me. If you have anger, recognize that that's normal. But look at it. Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it self-loathing? Is it the fear of being abandoned? That's all perfectly normal for the things that you have been through, the things you have survived. And I think that's where we have to keep our focus, the things we have survived. That shows you 100% you're a survivor and you can change the pattern. This article also says funnel anger in a productive way so you don't Add more angst to your life by making knee-jerk decisions. 100%. I've really tried not to make those. I've tried to be very um, non-confrontational, very non-reactive. And I see in certain situations where that has led to misunderstandings. And I have to be able to explain myself without being defensive and without being sounding like I'm blaming them. I'm not. I'm protecting myself. Write about your feelings. Punch a pillow. Start running. Take up another aerobic exercise. Stop drinking. Stop smoking. Get out of the rage. Help just get the rage out. What you're doing with the drinking and the smoking, taking drugs, all of these things, You're numbing the pain you don't want to experience. That's not healthy for you. That's not healthy healthy for the people you love. That's not healthy for your future. Do something to build your self-esteem. Part of healing from abuse is rebuilding your self-esteem by taking actions and accomplishments. Maybe you want to declutter your house. That's maybe something I probably should do. Take an art class or volunteer somewhere. You don't have to take on, this article goes on to say, a huge goal, but do something that will give you a small sense of triumph and hope and victory over the abuser. Victory, I mean, it can come in very small steps. Victory over your past. Victory over what's happened to you. Because you don't want to wake up, believe me, at 60, you don't want to wake up and say, oh my gosh, I could have had 30 more years of freedom if I had only known. Re-examine your values, your goals, and your beliefs. Ask yourself, what are your core values? What's your philosophy 
about money, raising the kids, where you live? What are your spiritual or religious beliefs? What are your political opinions? What movies or TV shows do you like and why do you like them? I'm going to tell you something about that in just a second. Who do you want to socialize with? Why do you want to socialize with them? And don't let fear stop you. Where do you like to eat? Do you like to eat someplace that your abuser told you you couldn't eat? Go there. It's a little victory. Take care of yourself. Look at any area of your life where your abuser made the decisions and come up with your own point of view and or preferences. Try to enjoy your freedom by redefining what you want for your life and not what your abuser is telling you they want for your life. Treat anxiety and depression quickly. My gosh, I wish I'd known. You know, I I used to say I wish I hadn't been misdiagnosed because that that did lead to a lot of problems. But I think had I not been misdiagnosed, I may never have healed. And so I have to count that as a blessing as well. Heal, learn, and grow before dating. You've suffered a tremendous blow to your psyche and self-esteem living through an emotionally abusive relationship. You need to heal so you don't put that on another individual. And you don't want to find yourself in the same type of emotionally abusive relationship. That's a pattern with us. We don't heal. Therefore, what we subconsciously seek out is the same thing that we had before. That's a huge problem, not only for us, but for our kids. Dang, I wish I'd known this. No, know this, yeah. Known this when my kids were little. Before you look for love again, make sure you like and love yourself. If you don't like and love yourself, you won't be able to see the flags. You won't be able to truly give yourself to someone else. You're going to find yourself in the very same position that you've been in. Examine your own behaviors and reactions in previous relationships to see where you might need to grow and change. That sucks. It's hard. But I'm here to tell you it can be done. As much as you want to find the right person, you also want to be the right person. And we want to be the right person so the relationship is healthy and balanced. Where are you in the stages of emotional abuse recovery? Me, I'm realizing I was emotionally neglected, abused, traumatized as a child, and I made poor choices throughout my life based on the way I was brought up. Now that I realize that, it's like a light is on and I can make changes. Maybe you're still dealing with the pain of leaving your partner. Maybe you're still living with the pain, whether you know it or not, of your childhood and the traumas that happened then. 
Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with anger or regret. You know, are those helpful feelings? No. All they do is they they sit in you and they fester and they boil over. You don't want that to happen. You don't want it to, to eat you. No matter where you are in your healing process, acknowledge and congratulate yourself for having the courage to get out of a bad relationship. But remember, you have work to do as well and healing to endure. It was pretty good. Pretty good. Um, a pretty good article there. Did you see that thought? It just jumped right out of my mind. Now, I said that I don't have anger anymore. I don't have anger towards my aunts. I don't have anger towards my parents. I don't ha- have anger towards my kids. I don't have anger towards my daughter-in-law, my son-in-law. I don't have anger towards my anybody, really. I don't have it because I know that emotion is going to hurt me. It's real funny. Let me look this up on my Facebook, my Digging Through Domino's Facebook page because I thought it was really, really interesting as to what was said. Okay, three days ago on my Instagram, my Digging Through Domino's Instagram account, and if you're not, if you're not connected to that, it's digging, just look for Digging Through Dominoes on Instagram or Terry Anderson, Digging Through Dominoes. Follow me there. Um, and on my Facebook page, it is facebook.com slash Digging Through Dominoes. I would love for you to follow me there. But three days ago on Instagram, I posted, I have no energy for hate. I either love you, wish you well, or hope you heal. It was very genuine. That was very true. And one of the comments I got was pretty funny. And I have to give kudos to one of my followers for their response to the response. This dude says, his name was Rick Bell. He says, kind of sounds like you have a lot of hate, actually. I fell into the whole hope you heal trap yourself. And then I replied, I have no hate, no grudges, no bitterness. It's too heavy to carry and only hurts the one that carries it. Heal. It feels good. And then... One of my followers, and I'm not going to mention their name, but I loved the response. Aaron, well, this, I won't say the last thing. Aaron said, Rick, please do tell what is hateful about this. Seems like you're projecting. And it's got like hearts and likes on it. So, yeah. People don't like it when you heal. They don't like it because they can't get past that part. It hurts to heal. But dang it, you know what? It just feels so good once it happens. It feels so good. Then I was going to tell you about the TV shows, and I actually talked to my therapist about this. One of my very favorite TV shows is The Blacklist with Raymond Reddington. If you, don't, if you haven't watched it, watch it because it, I think it's great. And I talked to my therapist because I said something about I could totally live in his world. And then it kind of scared me because he just, like, somebody had said something about, but you kill people. And he said, I've never killed anyone that didn't deserve it. 
And so that's, that made me really question myself. And I asked my therapist, I said, what the heck is this? We talked it through and it's, it's, I think what I came to understand was I wish I could go through my life and get rid of all of the bad things that have caused me so much pain, but getting rid of the things that caused me pain and getting rid of the pain I caused others. That is healing. I just love that this girl came back and says, sounds like projecting. You rock, Aaron. All right, everyone, that's what I have for episode 25 of Digging Through Dominoes. Please follow me, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, at Digging Dominoes. Follow my Facebook page, Digging Through Dominoes on Facebook. And follow my Digging Through Dominoes YouTube channel and on whichever major podcast platform you prefer. I can't tell you how healing this is for me. I love your comments. I love your messages. I love your discussions. And I do understand why so many of them come to me as emails. Because there are things that I've been told and things that are said I wouldn't want public either. But join in the discussions. And thank you for watching and making it to episode 25. And I'll talk to you next week.